it was my art teacher, uh, Mrs. Evans. She essentially, she told me about this thing called engineering that I had no clue about. Here I was in the 12th grade. That opened up my world. And so from then on, I became an engineer. Welcome to the Artist Engineer Podcast. Join me, Tony Tran. And me, Bill Robertazzi. Along with our amazing guests, as we explore how people's inner artist and inner engineer present themselves in their technical careers, in the art they create, and most importantly, in living creative lives. Our guest today is Sabrina Thompson. Sabrina is an aerospace engineer at NASA Goddard Space Flight Center, where she designs orbits and develops trajectories for space missions. She is also the author of the Girl in Space book series. We cover a wide range of topics, the different phases of a NASA mission, how to introduce kids to STEAM, science, technology, engineering, art, and mathematics, what basketball, dance, and art have in common, and sneakers that can defy Newton's three laws of motion. Welcome to the show, Sabrina. We are really happy to have you on. Thank you, happy to be here. This is the first time I, and I'm pretty sure Tony has ever talked to someone who works for NASA. Kind of cool that uh, on our video, we have someone with a NASA emblem across from us. <laughs> and I think we're gonna get into the whole idea of artist engineer, which you are a self-described artist engineer. We'll talk all about that in a little bit. But I think before we get into that, you are an aerospace engineer who designs orbital trajectories in your professional life. And as I mentioned on one of our previous calls, Tony and I are kind of space nerds. So we probably want to get into like the whole space stuff of, you know, things are landing on Mars. Are we going to be putting people there someday? Uh, you know, do aliens exist? Should we be doing these things? And, and maybe talk a little about that first before we, we get into uh, some of the other stuff. Sounds good. Uh, what kind of, what kind of, devices are you sending up or working on sending up? So in my time at NASA, I've had the opportunity to work on multiple parts of a mission, right? So you have your pre, what we call pre-phase A studies, where you directly interact with the scientists who have formulated a mission concept and you work with them to then, you know, write, they have to, they have to write a proposal to win money to hopefully, you know, turn their concept into a real mission. So that's like before it becomes a mission, pre-phase A, and then you can work in different parts of what we call the lifetime of a mission. So from A to E, right, from launch all the way to disposal or end of life. So I have had the privilege of working from pre-phase A to, I guess you would call it either phase C or D of a mission. So where we've launched, I'm working ground control. I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing orbit determination where we're sending commands to a suite of spacecraft to then maneuver it like, you know, and it's really cool. And then analyzing the data when it comes back. And when I say data, I mean flight dynamics data. So position, velocity, things of that nature. Most recently in the news, 
we landed a, we being humans, landed craft of some sort on Mars. And people work at NASA, are they, are they, do they expect to find like, like you? Do you believe aliens exist? That's what I want to know. Okay, it depends on what you define as an alien, but I would say yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I define it as things I've seen on Star Trek. Okay. No, you're not sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. What are your feelings about the, the Mars project that's just happened? Uh, that was kind of big news lately, right? So when you work for NASA, there are so many projects going on simultaneously. You see these things, like you, you see the concepts, right? So I talked about being on the, the pre-phase A studies. You learn about these things and you get excited about it before it even happens, right? So I haven't directly, I haven't worked with uh, this mission, this Mars mission directly, but I have gone to different NASA sites and, you know, especially like at JPL, that's where they're doing this stuff. They, they have many rovers there. Like, it, and, and you, you, I mean, this is not our first time going mm-hmm. to Mars, okay? So sometimes, I guess what I'd like to say is you get a bit, I don't, I don't want to say numb. Numb is not the right word. But you see these amazing things happening all the time. Mm. You know, if it's in the news, you're like, oh, that's great, you know. Um, but these are things happening all the time. And, and we just don't get the publicity like back in the day, you know, back in the 60s, like when, when we were in the space race, right? Right. But we're, we're, we're always doing things like this, right? And we have been for decades. It's just now space is becoming um, cool again, I want to say. Yeah, I think yeah, that's, an, that's a really interesting point because I think you're right. I, 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 we hear about every once in a while a little bit of it, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, but you're <laughs> right. kind of living this all the time, which is very cool. So <laughs> so let's let's touch a little bit on our theme here. Um, the artist engineer, which is how we connected. And uh, we've been talking a little bit about your engineer life, but you actually come from an art background originally, as you described to us, you were actually uh, growing up, wanted to be an artist mm-hmm. and ended up in this field and have created uh, some beautiful art and also written a book lately. Can you tell a little about that journey? About were you, all, you were interested in art, were you also interested in science and science fiction and space, and, or did that come later on? So the, sci, the sci-fi, the space, everything came later on. As a kid, you could either find me on the basketball court or you could find me in uh, the art room <laughs> or you could... Find me in my room with the door closed, music blasting, and me like sketching in my sketchbook. I did well in in school, right? I did well in science and math, but I was the type of kid that wanted to do the right thing. So if you told me to do something and you were an adult, and especially if I looked up to you, I never asked questions about, you know, I never questioned the, if you told me it was the right thing, I did it, period. And that's how I looked at school. People told me that I should, you know, do well in school. So that's what I did. I didn't think twice about it. So I didn't have any aspirations outside of just getting good grades. 
I knew I liked to do art. So when uh, adults would come to me and ask me what I wanted to do and what, who I wanted to be when I uh, grew up, I would either tell you I wanted to be like the first woman in the NBA, which clearly I couldn't because somebody came before me and did that. But, you know, the WNBA came out when I was about, I think I was either a preteen or a teenager. And I'm like, yes, that's what I want. I want to play in a WNBA or the artist. You know, I wanted to do art. So I remember um, my stepfather, his uncle, you know, he was visiting one day from North Carolina and he asked me, you know, what I, what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I, you know, I just told him, like I told everybody, I want to be an artist. And he's like, well, what is going to be your plan B? Or maybe art should be your plan B. <laughs> and so that got me thinking about, well, okay, well, what's plan A? Like, what if, if art's, if he's saying I should, like, he really, like, kind of, like, pushed me toward thinking about making art a plan B. Back when your, your uncle was asking about plan A and plan B, when you look back on that now, I mean, it, it certainly doesn't seem like, seem like you're having a, a, a load of fun doing what you're doing. Did you ever think to myself, oh, I wish I had chosen plan, like switched them and like gone full-time artist and, uh, and plan B engineering. It doesn't uh, seem like it. You know, I had a, I had a, um, I had someone ask me that question earlier this week and you know my answer is no I'm actually glad I took this path I only if I could change anything I would have learned more about like you know the possibility of things I could do uh, with science and, 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 and technology I wish I would have learned those things earlier in life but art for me is therapeutic it's uh it's like a spiritual practice for me you know if i'm feeling sad if i'm feeling super like you know it's it's just one of those things where i could zone out forget everything exists and be in my own little world and i'd like to protect that and so i prefer not to have to make art and have to make it in a way where you know, others have to like it in order for me to make a living. Um, I prefer to make something, like create something that's dear to me. And if people vibe with it, you know, you can have it here, you know, I want to share it, you know? So, so that's kind of my, my take on it. Great. Great. Well, it, it certainly comes through. So, uh, so it looks like, uh, you're, you, you chose the right door. I think so. I think part of it was just luck. Like, <laughs> That's a big part of life too, so as we all know. They say everything makes sense looking backwards, like your, your path. I think Steve Jobs says it, but looking forward, yeah. like nothing will make sense. Yeah. yeah. When yeah. you look back, you can tell the story of your life. Yeah. And I kept that in, in the back of my mind. And then once I reached the 12th grade and it was time to decide to go to college, I knew that I had to go to college only because family and friends and, you know, faculty at the school told me, and I was valedictorian of the high school. So it was pretty embarrassing that I didn't know <laughs> what I was going to, first of all, I didn't know what I wanted to study. I had no clue. And so I, it was my art teacher, um, Mrs. Evans, 
she essentially, she told me about this thing called engineering that I had no clue about. And here I was in the 12th grade that opened up my world. And so from then on, you know, I be, from then on, I became an engineer. Once I started working at NASA, you know, you work with people who <laughs> they, you know, grew up watching all types of sci-fi shows and movies and they're referencing things and they're joking about 42. And I'm like, yeah, the answer is 42. And I'm looking around like, what does that mean? <laughs> Uh, it's a whole new world. <laughs> <laughs> so then they start to enlighten you a little bit because they see, you know, okay, she doesn't get it. That's that's actually super interesting about the not having the references. I because that is, you know, the 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 stereotypical engineer scientist is, you know, right, the, the kid who's like making rockets in their backyard. Um, when they're right. you know, eight years old and watching, he's not the, the kid on the basketball court or, uh, or at art school. So that's great. So, so you've ended up there and without any, in some ways, any kind of um, engineering science role models that probably made you think, oh, I, this is what I should go do, right? As, as a kid, it's just kind of, you had some, some uh, adults and educators guide you in that direction. And then it obviously, uh, with a spark and, and uh, a passion. And you now are, are doing some work that I, I find really interesting in terms of integrating your love of art, which is, you recently created an illustrated book, uh, Girl in Space, which you did the illustration and story. Uh, and I love, I love your artwork. It's actually very, very cool. And and, and obviously part of that is, is, is putting out a role model, a, a different type of role model for kids to think about with this. Can you talk about the inspiration behind that book? Yeah, so the inspiration behind the book. So first of all, let me just clear this up. I did get some help with the illustrations. I designed the characters and everything, but I did get some help. Just bandwidth stuff. <laughs> the inspiration for the book. So it started out as like, I, I have a niece who she's 14 now. And I think around that time she was maybe 10 or 11. Her mother was just telling me how she's, you know, she's a rock star when it comes to science and math. But when it comes to reading, she, the girl hates to read like with a passion. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, that's, that's a problem. So immediately I thought, well, I didn't like to read as a kid either. I, I did not like to read. And I was thinking, well, is it because of the same, like is, is my niece having the same issue that I was having as a kid when I was her age? And my issue was, I thought the stories were boring. <laughs> the, 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 the readings that we had to do in school. I said, well, maybe my niece is having the same issue if I could go back in time and, and knowing what I know now, I said I would probably have started off reading comic books because I like the visuals. And then that would have kind of warmed me up to reading more interesting books that didn't have as many you know, images. So I introduced her to a comic, I think it's called Moon Girl. 
And the girl, she has this whole Dexter's Laboratory kind of look. And like, she's a girl genius. Um, she's, she's a black girl. And she's doing all this cool stuff in the comic. So I figured like, let's see, I got, you know, I bought her the book, you know, I checked back in to see if she read it. And so she did. So that's how it started. And then I thought, well, what if I like wrote a book that would kind of like meet a kid like that halfway where you give them some cool images they have some characters that they can relate to in there they also have you know it's a chapter book so it's not all it's not a graphic novel right it's it's you have to read <laughs> you have to read she was the main inspiration and then I do a lot of outreach at the job. So I noticed there were other kids just like that. There were kids who, you know, if they had access to engineers um, or, you know, scientists or just people who were in the technical fields, they had, they had, you know, I mean, they would be excited when I come around and talk to them. They had questions for me and everything. And then I go to other schools where these kids didn't have access, the same access. And these kids, you know, they, they don't, they, they, they want to ask me more about the basketball and the art, which is fine, but they don't have a way to connect where they are, their environment to what I do and who I, you know, who I am um, when I come into their, their school as a NASA engineer. They don't know how to connect that. So this book is a way to connect, you know, to kids who don't have that access or to kids who even have that access, but they're not the techie type, maybe, you know, like maybe they're more of the, I want to call like a visionary or creative type, right? There's still space for, and I say space, right? There's still room for them to learn about STEM concepts and to make it fun. So that those two, those two elements kind of drove me, drove me to write the book. But then, you know, I realized this book is applicable to so many other like kids. Like it's not just those, those kids that drove me, you know, to write it or inspired me to, to write it. So I, I read the book. I'm going to share it with my nieces. I think I mentioned it with it, it, that to you. It's, I think they're going to really love it. Yay. What I noticed, <laughs> what I noticed in the book and, and the question to you is going to be, it's written uh, kind of in the language of 13-year-old characters. So as a first-time author, I think actually writing kind of for kids instead of writing for your own like mental age is probably maybe more difficult. How difficult was it for you or, or maybe easy to be a first-time author um, you didn't mention that, for example, in terms of one of your passions when you were younger, to write this book for the first time and also to write it in the, uh, for kids. What was that process? So what I would do is I had a few people read it before I actually, you know, put it out there. Mm -hmm. And I thought about how I talk to my niece, nieces and nephews. So right now my niece, I said, is 14. I have a nephew. Who, I have two nephews who are 12. I think about like how I talk to them <laughs> and how they respond to me, <laughs> right? I'm the playful auntie. I'm the one, you know, when their parents are being strict or whatever, 
they come to me and I'll get down and really play with them. Like I'll get on the video games and play with them, you know, like, so I kind of took that, that dialogue that we, we have and I, I put it in the book. And that's kind of how I was able to do it. <laughs> so it's, it sounds pretty natural. Yeah. <laughs> also in the book, I, I love that um, knowing about your background as well. It seems very autobiographical, should I say? Basketboard, <laughs> art, music, making it an art teacher. Do you, do you also have plans to yourself be an astronaut, do you think? Is it going to follow this your, your same trajectory? Okay, so... Yes. Okay. Wow. My niece asked me this question. Let's just say she didn't ask me about the astronaut part, but she's like, that's you. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's it. <laughs> it's funny. It's my story, but it's embedded in fictional book with, you know, characters who were made up, who resemble, you know, certain people who've had influence in my life. The astronaut question, I did apply. I applied to this the last call, I applied twice. So when I first started working at NASA, there was a call and I knew I wasn't going to get selected, but I, I, I wanted to know how like rigorous this, this, um, this application was. And so I applied and I, you know, had someone help me. And I, I remember putting at least maybe 10 drafts of my resume together and you know i received the the letter in the mail saying thank you for applying the second call that came around since i've been working at nasa i did not apply i didn't apply because i knew i was on my way to getting like earning some skills that i did not want to i i didn't want to stop doing what i was doing in the event, you know, like I really did get selected. I don't, I think I would have a hard, I don't think I would have a hard time choosing like, you know, okay, I'll be an astronaut. <laughs> but I was enjoying what I was doing and I, I didn't want to stop making progress on um, becoming an expert in what I was doing. So this third go around and I think it was last year. Anyway, 2020, <laughs> I applied and I believe because of COVID, they have, you know, had delay, but I've received a few emails between when I submitted my application and today, I received an email that tells me that, uh, you know, they didn't forget about mm. me. So I don't mm. know what that means. So we'll see. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Some, some plans for your future. We'll see. That's right. Wow. Yeah. I think it would be awesome. <laughs> so much in there. Uh, obviously, you're you're um, loving the work you're doing on on, and you can hear it in your uh, in your in your voice and the way you talk about it and the excitement. And it's allowing these other creative outlets are allowing you to integrate and balance your your artistic creative side with what I imagine is a pretty detailed, precise kind of uh, job, right? I mean, you, you have to be pretty precise to plot trajectories and do this type of work. And this is kind of a theme that we, uh, we always kind of touch on because I think sometimes people think of artists as kind of 
messy, disorganized, you know, painters with, you know, uh, uh, their apartments a mess and whatnot, and then engineers as being very methodical and, and, and so forth. And what's your experience with, with those two mindsets and then also being around a lot of uh, very highly technical people, the scientists, engineers, the people you work with? Do you see some of this kind of creative artist engineer mindset widespread and creativity, or do you see more of a, uh, a separation? When I'm at work, it took some time for me to feel like I fit in. And it's because I think mostly my verbal communication skills had to, it had to, uh, I had to enhance those skills. I had to improve them because when I first started working there, I had a hard time communicating my ideas, you know, my, my research findings. And, and then I had a, I felt this imposter syndrome as if I didn't belong. And so I had to get over all that stuff and it took, you know, a couple years. But once, once I got over that hump, I learned that my best form of communication is visual. I'm a visual learner. And I should have known that from the start, but it took me a while to figure out my best way to learn so then I could communicate, you know, so then I could, you know, communicate in that the best way I, you know, knew how. I realized that a lot of my colleagues, they see the numbers and they see the numbers and from those numbers, they can communicate exactly what's going on. Like I need to take those numbers and I need to translate it into a picture. Like that's me. Um, some of my colleagues verbally, they can just communicate what's going on to the T. And I am a more high level person. So as long as I know the big picture, I'm good to go, right? If you, if you only give me a little bit of the detail and you say, here, work on this subsystem, I don't function that way. I need to know how that one subsystem ties into the big picture. And then, you know, I, I can work better. And I realize, you know, a lot of my colleagues aren't like that. They're okay with give them this piece and they will specialize in this piece. They don't need to know anything else other than what's associated with this piece. And so that took me a while to, you know, figure out like, is it just me <laughs> or, right? So that's just an example to give you that lets you know, like, okay, I'm in this technical realm. I can do the technical thing, but it's different for me just because I'm using both left and right brain, right? Um, I do have colleagues who dabble into the arts. I have one colleague um, at lunchtime, he, he would bring his guitar to work and he would just sit and play his guitar. You know, he was a part of a band um, outside of work, but he was very technical. So, you know, like his way of learning music, he can explain to you the ins and outs of music, right? As opposed to, maybe a traditional artist who just gets in there and they feel it and they can't mm -hmm. explain to you how they got, you know, how they, how the music was created, but 
Mm. It's amazing. So I do, I do see there are some people who, you know, kind of dabble between the, the arts and, uh, and, and, you know, STEM fields. Um, but for me, I'm na- I feel natural as an artist. As an engineer, I was taught to be an engineer. Like I've always had like this level of, you know, you can't tell me that I can't do anything. So then I become obsessed about solving a problem. I, I had that already. But I didn't have the technical uh, aspirations just because it was introduced to me later. So a lot of that kind of developed over time. Yeah, I think what you described is very typical of technical people, computer programmers, engineers, a focus on structure, uh, mm-hmm. details, et cetera. But in, in my experience in different, different groups and different teams, what you're describing is uh, in terms of communicating complex ideas in a way that makes sense to, let's say, to other people, big picture thinking, et cetera, is very, very valuable. That bridge of communication is um, what well, has value in itself, but in terms of career, those type of people stand out, like they're, they're in the middle of many, many things. So it's very perceptive of you to kind of see how different people are communicating, um, I think. So I think that's it's a very, very uh, interesting idea for, for our listeners. Yeah, you, you, when you were talking about the big picture, mentioned right before that, you said, you know, I'm a visual learner and visually, and then you used the term big picture, which kind of sums that up. Mm-hmm. I had uh, another tangent about kind of the idea of the artist and what is creativity and the engineer and what is creativity. Uh, you like basketball, played basketball. At one point mentioned that you want to be, do you consider kind of athletic pursuits or basketball particularly uh, an artistic pursuit or can it be kind of creative? So I believe I was attracted to basketball. Uh, what, what, what originally then my whole interest in basketball was I used to hang out with this, this, my, you know, this girl who was, you know, they called her a tomboy and I, you know, I, I, I vibed with her, like, but I would bring my Barbie dolls to the basketball court when she would play against the guys. And I would just sit there and play Barbies by myself. Right. One time they needed an extra player. So, you know, they were like, okay, come on. And they got me to play and they're like, don't call any calls on her. She doesn't know what she's doing. When you get the ball, just pass it. Right. And I didn't like that feeling. I remember like, you know, thinking like, oh, I'm going to show them. So I went home that day and asked my mother to buy me a basketball. And I dribbled that ball all the way to the park, which was like a 30 minute walk. And I kept dribbling until it became, it felt natural. And then I would sit at the park and I would watch the older guys play. And to me, it was just like a solving a problem for me. You know, the problem was I didn't know how to play and I don't want to be teased, right? So how do I, you know, solve this problem? Let me watch people who are way better than myself. And to me, it was magic almost when these guys would do these moves. It was like a dance almost, right? So I realized like if you have enough flexibility, if you're athletic enough, which I had some natural athletic talent that I didn't know of until I started playing and I would just copy these I'm just copying these guys but at the end of the day I realized there were certain moves that I could do almost because they were like a dance move 
And so to me, definitely, if you see it in that way, mm -hmm. it's art, you know, <laughs> it's just dancing with a ball. <laughs> I, I bring that up because there's a connection that Tony actually works for the NBA. Oh. And we want to get uh, Spencer Dinwiddie on the show because he calls himself the tech guy with a jumper. So uh, we're trying to nice. just see if anyone else <laughs> sees the connection. So I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> Basketball is definitely in art in terms of at the highest level. Everything's in art, honestly. There's patterns to it. There's, um, there's little things you don't see in terms of like happening, like in terms of the body position. Uh, it is like dance. It's it's amazing, really. Everything at a high level is art, I think. Yeah, that's that's actually a nice uh, nice way to think about it. So, what's next for your 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 artistic side? I, I think we've been next for you on your professional side is you're going to be in a spaceship somewhere and and uh, weaving the earth. <laughs> but before that, what's next for you um, on your artistic side with the book or other things? So. Uh, the book is a series, right? So uh, definitely more books in the series will be, you know, created. In addition to that, I do these workshops uh, called Stimulating Art Workshops. And it's through these workshops that I essentially use an art project to teach STEM concepts. Now, I had a pilot program to just see if kids would be interested. And for this particular one, it was all girls uh, stimulating art workshop. And it was sold out. <laughs> it was sold out. So it was like a whole day of, it was self-esteem and stimulating art. So I partnered up with a friend and she did the self-esteem part. And I, you know, conducted the stimulating art. And we had kids design sneaker out of a three, you know, they had a 3D pen and they could, most of the kids drew the sneaker in 2D, but they could have made a 3D shoe. And the idea was, you know, I taught them the laws, you know, Newton's laws. And, you know, I had, I had, they had to design a shoe that either defied these laws and they had to explain how, or they had to explain to me how the shoe operating it, it wasn't a regular shoe that you just walk on it, it had to have some special function where it you know satisfied the three lords or it defined it and these girls came up with <laughs> all these crazy ideas and it was amazing you know one one girl um her shoes function like a hoverboard and so she explained how this, this is a, it was an eight-year-old and so she's explaining how her shoes would work and you know all these things and so that pilot program it showed me that if I put it out there you know kids would definitely be interested and so uh my plan is to do more so I just wrote a proposal to hopefully, you know, partner with a, a, a nonprofit uh, to hopefully bring this to, I think in, for this one, it would either go to New York or Baltimore. And um, I'm looking forward to doing something. It won't be the same exact thing, but the idea is to tie, you know, STEM to the arts. And I do, I, I am kind of a sneaker fanatic. <laughs> So it'll probably, you know, involve doing something with the shoe, uh, most likely. I'm picking up on a few things that you're saying over and over again, solving problems, 
And I think it's a great message in terms of seeing opportunity and taking action. So you told us, I think, three stories where you saw an opportunity, writing a book, doing a pilot program for stimulating art, going into engineering when um, you didn't even know the engineering was a possibility. And once you saw the opportunity, you took advantage of it and that it's open to all of us. So I think that's just a great message that I heard over and over again in, in all of your stories. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show. This has been a really fun and fascinating conversation and uh, for a huge uh, uh, science fiction uh, uh, fan and nerd, this is uh, especially fun for me. So thank you very much and, and keep inspiring uh, everyone out there. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Your story is very amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I mean, not uh, your story, but also your attitude towards like doing new things. This is, if you're doing so many things, it's, it's really, really, really inspiring. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can email us at podcast at theartistengineer.com if you have show ideas or want to follow up with feedback, or just want to say hi. We'd love to hear from you, so feel free to connect. You can find more information about this episode in the show notes at www.theartistengineer.com. And finally, if you enjoy the show, please leave an iTunes review, as it helps the show get discovered by more people. And also hit the subscribe button.